0: Here, take your phone. Don't want to lose it. (laughs) All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Man, that's so much goodness happening right here in this place. So much goodness. Sean, Amanda, I mean, my heart's right there with you. And I've I've been a part of Celebrate Recovery, and I've seen it grow for the last over 10 years. And lives have come to a place of peace and taken the next best steps in our lives. So anyway, hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be in the book of Mark. Looking at chapter two, verses one and five. So go ahead and just if you got it or if you have your your iPad or whatever, just hold your spot and we'll get to it in a second. But I just want to say happy post Thanksgiving to everybody, right? Hello? Yeah? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> are you guys still eating leftovers? Mine are gone the next day, I'm telling you. I was able to go to my mom and dad's house in Oakland this uh Thanksgiving and I hadn't been over there in a long time, and it was really, really refreshing. They live in Oakland, and it's the, the house that I grew up in. They've been in that house for about 45, 46 years. And so being present there and being around there was refreshing. To even see the paint on the walls and the smells and just that stuff. And it was special because my mom and dad have been kind of walking through some kind of challenges taking care of, aging parents and just some of the things that are going on. And so they were really discouraged to where they were like, they didn't want to have Thanksgiving. And so my wife and I just, and my family, my girls, we just rallied up and we just basically took home over there and camped out for two days. And it ended up being refreshing. And after Thanksgiving day, we went and got our Christmas tree, their Christmas tree. And we're like, we're going to leave you on a positive note here, you know? And so it was really good. And I really enjoy, you know, this time of year. I mean, now, aside from the, the, the weather gets cooler, I, it's a challenge for me in the summer here. The weather cools down. I mean, the days are just, they're great, they're shorter. <laughs> but what I really, really love is just seeing relationships form and build and kind of grow. See, for me, the relationships are what make this time of year so special. Times are tough for many of us around the holidays, Right? It's not so easy for a lot of us. But when I hear about my friends, my family, my church family coming alongside of each other, I get a glimpse of Jesus every time I see that. We see the kingdom kind of being built, so to say. You see God in action and moving. The truth is, as followers of Jesus, we need each other. We can't go at it alone. We can't be on an island. We can't isolate ourselves. So, here's the big idea for this morning what I want you to understand here is that Jesus is inviting us to follow him, and he's commanding us to share life together. That's what he wants for his children. He wants us to do that. So, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you right now for this moment. Lord, I pray that you just quiet our hearts and steady us in this moment, God, to just kind of help us get in tune with you and posture our hearts, Lord, for what it is that you want us to hear. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, hearts are penetrated and that whatever is heard today, God, can grow, and Lord, and help somebody take the next best step, Lord, to know your goodness and your love, and thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. See, when we investigate God's word, we find out quickly that he designed us for relationship. Just read through scripture. He's designed us for relationship. And the scripture we're gonna look at today in Mark 2 speaks directly into this. Okay, so let's check it out. Mark 2, 1 and 5 says, When Jesus returned to Cap- Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he stayed was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door while he was preaching god's word to them four men arrived carrying sorry let me say it again while he was preaching god's word to them four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat they couldn't bring him to jesus because of the crowd so they dug a hole through the roof above his head then they lowered the man down on his mat right in front of jesus seeing their faith jesus said to the paralyzed man my child your sins are forgiven Maybe you might have heard the school. I mean, the this, this story in Sunday school. If you've been around church enough, you've heard this story before, and you kind of get that illustration of some guys digging a hole in a roof and lowering their, their friend. See, in this passage, Jesus had already been out preaching throughout the region, and he's been healing a whole lot of people. And miracles have just been happening, and now he's returned home. But but word spread that when he, that word spread that he's back and telling everybody. Heard and guess what they did. They rushed to see where he was at. They wanted to see what all the hype was about. See, many genuinely came to hear his teachings and to grow from them and to learn from them. But others, they just wanted to see what was up with all the miracles that he had been doing. So they ran out and they crowded around him. It was so packed that there was no room left in the house, the Bible says. People are jammed in, sitting on the floor, leaning against the wall, stuffed down the hallway, every doorway is full. People are crowded outside, looking over shoulders, trying to see and hear Jesus. You get the picture? There's a crowd. There is many people there. It's way more crowded than any of our homes were this past week, right? There's a lot of people there. But see, guess what? Not everyone crowding into the home was a friend of Jesus. People are just showing up. Think about that for a second. Imagine preparing your Thanksgiving meal and all your neighbors invited themselves over for dinner. Okay? And not just the ones you like, but those other neighbors, right, that that you get along with, but everyone else doesn't. And now you're smack dab in the middle of a neighbor feud. I mean, imagine how that was. People were there. There was crowds. People were probably frustrated. You see... The people that crowded together that day, they had many problems, and I'm I'm, I'm betting that many of them had problems with each other, and I'm sure tensions were high in the crowd that day, right? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a crowd or been in a line or you've seen something happen and you've seen somebody cut in front of you? How did that make you feel? And we're Christian folks, right? (laughs) And that was happening right here. Everybody was looking, and everybody was looking out for themselves. They were crowding around. Much like our homes and families today, or even our church family, right? This house that Jesus was was likely filled with people that were odds with each other, which seems like a crazy, crazy bad idea. But with Jesus in the house, man, it's the perfect storm, right? Right? You see, we want to invite our friends and family to church so they can hear and experience Jesus and to really experience him in a way that's personal to them. And that's a good thing. We want that. But I'm here to tell you, it does not stop there. See, Jesus isn't calling you and I to simply crowd around him to see what's going on. He's calling us to actually believe in him to believe that he died for our sins so that we could stand right before God. And then, when we do that, our faith takes root and we grow. And then we begin to surrender to the life and purpose that he has designed for you and for me. Our purpose, the life he desires for us to live. But we have to be teachable because he's calling us to become his disciples. So, take note for this for number one. Jesus calls me to be his disciple. Jesus calls me to be his disciple. See, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, we follow after him. So, listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. In Matthew 16, 24 and 25, he says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, being a disciple means that you give up your old ways, and you know what those old ways are, and choose the following the teachings of Jesus to become more like him every day. It's an intentional action to stay away from those things so that we can follow and be exactly how Jesus wants us to be. Colossians 3.10 says this, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. Being a follower of Jesus isn't about church attendance or, or trying to do all the right things. It's not a list of of to do things that you just check off throughout the week. That's not what it's about. It's a life that is actively yielding to be transformed into his likeness daily. Every day we wake up and work on our our sanctification to separate us from what the world has from us. It's a daily action that we do. For me, it's the moment I wake up, Lord, help me to get away from what the temptations are today. Because if you know they come firing at you quick, And they're there. And every day we have to work on separating ourselves from the world. That's what sanctification is, a separation. And we work on it daily. Listen to this. Mark 2, 3 and 4 on that story. It says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole around the roof, through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. See, at this point, there were stories about Jesus that have been circling the community for weeks now. People have been hearing about him, and amazing miracles have been happening whenever Jesus is around. People, they know what's happening. They hear about this buzz. So when these men got word that Jesus returned home, man, they went straight to their friend who was paralyzed, and they got him. See, these guys wanted to see their friend restored and have been praying for him. And right now, in this moment, they're believing for a miracle. They went and got him. So they jumped, got into action, they got their guy, and they went. You know, we experienced that right here in the church that I experienced not too long ago. My brother Michael Gaintner was sitting over there in the corner, and Pastor Jeremy had just prayed for him because he had lost his wife. Does anybody remember that? And as hard as it was, pastor asked that if anybody could stand up and pray with him. And me being the associate pastor, I went and beelined. That's my job, right? But I was cut off by a swarm of men. I don't know if you had an opportunity to look back there, but a swarm of men that stepped in and took over and prayed over that man. They didn't know him. They didn't know what was going on. They just knew that he was hurting, and they showed up. They jumped into action. I had coffee with one of the men. He says, I don't know what took over me. I just, I just jumped. That's the Holy Spirit moving in and through us right here, right now. That's the beauty of this. So these guys finally get him to the house, but a huge crowd blocks their way. So one of the guys has a bright idea. He sees a stairway or a ladder along the side of the house where no one was at, and it led to the roof, and so what? They go for it. So I imagine they're climbing up that ladder, getting to the roof, they get their boy up there, and they're... Okay, what next? So everybody looks at the guy with the bright idea, right? And says, well, man, let's dig through the ground. Let's dig through the roof. And they go for it, right? They go for it. Now, the roofs at those periods of time obviously weren't like the roofs we have now. They were built of a combination of grass, clay, and some planks. So it was a a messy thing. But imagine the scene down below. This crowded house, people trying to listen to Jesus, And these men are digging through the roof over the top of him. Dirt and debris are probably falling on top of all of the people. Man, talk about distracting, right? I mean, it's tough to to talk and communicate, but talk about distracting. See, but these four men are determined to get their friend to Jesus, and nothing is going to stop them. They're on a mission. Scripture says that they lowered the man right down in front of Jesus. I'd imagine he was at his feet. And despite Jesus being in the middle of teaching, I mean, the, the, the house was packed, he stopped everything and zeroed in on what was happening right before him. Dropped it all. Zeroed in on it all. And scripture says, and seeing their faith, in Mark chapter two, verse five, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. You gotta understand, at that time, this statement would have blown everybody, everybody away, especially the Pharisees. These are the church folk then, the Pharisees. Because by forgiving the man's sins, Jesus, in essence, was claiming to be God right there in that moment. Everybody was blown away. What did he say? See, at, popular, at the time, popular belief, okay, was that a person that was sick or paralyzed or unhealthy. They were like that because of their parents' sin or their own. So when somebody saw that they were sick, they would say, oh, it must be the sins of their parents or it must be something they did. Sin was a reason for that. And that was just the culture back then, okay? And when Jesus forgave his sins and then ultimately healed the man physically, the people would have been, they would have put that together, and it would have stuck and been further proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. They would have put that together. Saying that his sins are forgiving, and then the miracle of actually healing him. That's what Jesus was trying to do. But you know what I find very interesting in this story? I mean, and that's, that's, that's awesome. That, But this is what I find interesting. Is that Jesus sees the faith of the four men first. Right? He sees the faith of the four men first and not the paralyzed man's faith. I mean, many of the miracles we read about in Scripture are about an individual who has faith. But here, Mark points out that Jesus was moved by the faith the friends had. Write this down for number two. Jesus is moved when I support others. Jesus is moved when I support others. Maybe Jesus would have made to the man's house to come heal him in person. Maybe at some point Jesus would have showed up. But these friends, they weren't waiting. They jumped into action. They got their guy and they went. Maybe you know these kinds of guys or girls. Willing to do anything for a friend. Willing to make things awkward for the good of someone else. Those kind of people... They're allowing God to use them to be a part of a miracle for other people. Hear that again. God is using them to be a part of a miracle for other people. And I love that. See, it's done in a way to bring attention, not it's done in a way not to bring attention to themselves, but in a way to bring attention to who? Our king, their king. And we have people like that right now in our church. I've witnessed it, I've experienced it. And I'm so grateful that God brings others into my need and uses them to bring about healing and hope to me. It's real, and it's here. Back in the day, when I was growing up, church was an all-day event for me. Grew up in, a, in an Assemblies of God church, bilingual in East Oakland on 38th Avenue. And, and it was an all-day thing. we get up, get dressed, go to Sunday school, after Sunday school, go to service. After service, we went to lunch and we ate, then we went home, which seemed like a quick minute because my mom would be like, don't change your clothes because we got to go to service at night. And then after service at night, we'd have, you know, and we'd have coffee and whatever, chocolate, and we would just hang out. So it was an all-day thing, and I loved it. It was part of me. It's what I bring here. I love that, kind of that community. I remember one time, my family and I were at, the church pic- at a church picnic at the Oakland Zoo, Nolan Park. Anybody familiar with that? Right? All of my church friends were there, and we were all having a blast, hanging out, having fun, throwing the football, until crying erupted from within our group. And we didn't know what was going on. So we stopped what we were doing and went to go check it out. And that's when I heard that Roy who was a young adult, about 23 years old, was killed in a motorcycle accident on his way to the church picnic. And his fiance, Deanne, was the one crying after his sister told her what happened. It was tough. And I remember our pastor getting everybody together quickly so that we can pray. And we prayed for Deanne right there, and we prayed for Roy's family, and we prayed for Roy's mom. We prayed for them right there in that moment. I remember that being a very difficult day. It was hard. <laughs> but what made this so memorable for me as a young, middle school-aged kid was watching all the people rally around his family for the days, months, and years to come, offering help, support, but also offering genuine love And friendship and community, authentic, real. Now, I know God could have saved Roy, for sure. And I wish he could have, and I wish he would have. And it sucks to lose someone. And nothing said can ever take away the hurt, nothing. But I also believe with all my heart and know that beauty can rise from ashes, I know that. During this time of hurt in our church family, relationships were formed and bonded. And some were at odds with each other, but they came to a place of restoration. And I know that many came to know Jesus as a result of Roy's passing. I know this. I'm in touch with many of them now as an adult. Our church family came alongside Deanne and Roy's mom and family to meet all their needs, physically, emotionally, emotionally. Financially and spiritually. And I know for sure that God was moved when we, his children, jumped into action. No one was hanging out on the sidelines. Everyone was in their role and doing what God was asking them to do. In the story, the paralyzed man had a need and his friends rallied around him to support him. Church, we need to take time to get to know each other. We need to take time to get to know each other. We need to take time to get to know other believers around us. Take a risk and introduce yourself to someone new today, maybe. It starts with a hello. Say hi to somebody. Relationships that form deep bonds, they don't just happen. We would like to think that, but it doesn't work that way. But just like with family, we all know that it's not all good times and laughs, right? Sometimes we hurt each other, and sometimes we make mistakes, and we disagree, and we argue, and that's okay. I've heard it said, one of my favorite authors, Francis Chan, says, it's almost as this, us as followers of Christ are supposed to offend each other. So that when we come back to a place of forgiveness and grace, the world sees what happened. They wonder Why? And we saw because of Jesus working in and through our hearts. And that doesn't mean go out there and make some enemies. No, no. I'm just saying when we're in conflict, remember, people are watching. People are paying attention to how we handle and how we work through our issues. And especially in the home, our children are watching. We have to be careful. It doesn't just happen. Because when we are living our lives like Jesus, we learn to forgive and heal. And the relationship becomes stronger, and over time, the bond grows. That's our striving. People are watching us, and when they're watching us, we want them to see God in action. We want them to see God moving in and through us freely, without drama, without issue, the best that we can. Jesus is moved when we do this, because the church who are his people, is being built up. The Bible talks about the church as the body of Christ. All one body with many parts and one head, right? Who's the head? Jesus Christ. We have to get connected and begin sharing life together. So write this down for number three. My spirituality is worked out in community. My spirituality is worked out in community. I read a quote that I've been wrestling with for the past several weeks as I've been preparing for this, and it says this. True spirituality will always work itself out in community. And the reason I wrestle with this is because by nature, I am a total introvert. I find comfort in solitude. I like being left alone. I recharge and I refuel and I, I just I get better. And I know that that's okay. That's how I'm designed and that's how I replenish myself. But for me, it's out of these moments that I'm filled to go back out to serve the community, to pour out what God has filled me up with to those around me. See, it all works together in lockstep. It is how God's plan is for us. Each of us has a role to bring, each of us has a role in bringing the church body together in unity. I want to talk for a second about the Church Without Walls Food Pantry. Because if you want to get a glimpse, of what it looks like on earth for the kingdom to be being built, you need to come hang out and be a part of what's happening over there. What started off as pastors and their leaders helping to serve the community and being the ones putting the boxes and doing all the stuffing, it has turned from that within the last two and a half years. Is now it's all volunteer-led. The ones that were getting food are now the leaders of the food pantry doing it. It is Jesus happening right there. You need to come be a part of what's happening. We have leaders here in our church that are a part of it. I want to put them on blast a little bit. Miss Susie, I'm sorry, it's faithful. Manuel, right here. These are our church leaders and several others that I, I don't want to offend, but I just, it's happening. Get plugged in. Listen to this. Hebrews 10 24 25 says let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The same author writes this in Colossians 2 2 he says I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that this that they understand God's mysterious plan which is Christ's himself. I've heard it said before that it's one thing to be in church, but it's quite different to be in community. When we're in community, our care and love for one another goes deeper than singing together and getting caught up on the latest news. That's surface level. That's, that's good, but it's surface level. But what Jesus is asking us for is for us to take it to a deeper level. You see, Jesus walked with 12 guys for three years during his earthly ministry. Of those 12, he had three besties, the guys that he can keep it real with. He had the three inner circle of those 12. Theologians agree that these 12 guys knew each other intimately, meaning that they could look at their friend's face and know exactly that something was going on just by looking at them. Nothing had to be said. That's how they knew them. you got to remember, Jesus, he traveled from village to village to village, and it wasn't like they can call an Uber and just get from here to there. No, they walked, and they camped, and they sat around a campfire, and they talked, and they laughed, and they cried, and they told stories. They shared life together, and then they went into the village to do ministry. They got to know each other. Koinonia is a Greek word that occurs 20 times in the Bible. Its primary meaning is fellowship, sharing in common, communion. If this is the way that we should be with each other, our questions should shift from, hey, what's new, to, yo, how are you doing, man? We need to connect. What's going on? Hey, man, we haven't met in a while, man. I miss you. Let's go have some coffee. We need to take it deeper with each other. How is your soul? Talk to me. And when you move from being in church to being in community, your perspective of others changes. You begin to see Jesus in the eyes of the person next to you. Everything changes. It's more than going to church together. It's loving people one step closer to Jesus. When you leave here today, as you go into this holiday season, I encourage you to hold that statement close to your heart. We have this written right here, loving people one step closer to Jesus. That is our mission statement. Love God, love people. Take that statement with you to heart. Choose to follow Jesus and be transformed into the kind of person that God uses to be a miracle in someone's life. See, he calls us to be his disciples. And he is moved when we help and support others right here in our church and out in our community. He's moved. Get involved with the church without walls food pantry. I can't say it enough. See it for yourself. Come on down and be a part of what God is doing right here in our town right now. See it for yourself. Right now, you can also help by donating a complete Christmas dinner box to the pantry for us to hand out, or for us to bless, rather, families in our community. On your way out, grab one of these papers. I'm not trying to sell it to you, but this is an opportunity to love on our community. See how you can do this. See what you can do. See how your family can get involved. My hope and prayer is that we can all join in genuine, authentic community right here, by putting Jesus at the center of our lives as we share life together and we strive to be more like him together every day. You pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, my King. Just for loving us enough to make it so that we don't have to be alone that we have opportunity to be together in community, to share life with each other the way that your example was with your friends, God. That we need that. So Lord, I pray right now for boldness for myself and for all of us to take those next steps, to getting connected, to sharing life with someone, Lord. And it's hard to do right now because, Lord, trust has been broken in so many ways, God. But Lord, help us to have your heart and to see through your eyes, God. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to move us, not just as individuals in our community, but as a church in this community as well and beyond, God. So thank you, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for everything. In your name we pray, amen. Church, thank you so much for being here with us this morning, and I encourage you again, get connected, okay? There's so many opportunities to do this, okay? Thank you so much. Have a good day.